you know, the Japanese culture was a little bit more strict and disciplined. And um, when I went to meet with my male companion at Sony, it was really quite awkward. The male GM kept asking me more than one time about the male colleague that he was used to working with all the time. And he kept just asking over and over if he was coming. And I kept saying, no, I'm, I'm on this trip alone. I'm, you know, the senior VP of direct of marketing, and I'm going to be directing this agreement. So I don't need to have him there. This Get Ready to Be Ready episode has been brought to you by the World Trade Center, Arkansas. To ensure you stay up to date on new podcast episodes and more Get Ready to Be Ready series posts, be sure to follow us on Instagram at WTC.Arkansas and subscribe to our YouTube channel at World Trade Center, Arkansas 9014. Welcome. I'm Denise Thomas, CEO of World Trade Center, Arkansas, and I'm your host for Get Ready to Be Ready podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about food, fun, and fellowship, and how food has a great way of bringing together people and helping you build long-term strategic relationships to grow your business. And today on this episode, we're going to be featuring Margie Romando, chef, farmer, filmmaker, an extraordinary woman who's also going to be our host guest on March 31st at 6 p.m., at the Organization of Women in International Trade event at the World Trade Center, Arkansas. But to start, Margie, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Because you really have some interesting life experiences. Thank you, Denise. And I am so looking forward to being there. Uh, and you're talking about my favorite subjects, food, fun, and fellowship. And by the way, I'm no stranger to farming and food production. My father's family comes from Pritzi, Sicily, and farming is an essential part of daily life in that small village. Even today, they are farmers in that village. My mother's family moved from Caserta, which is just north of Naples. And uh -huh. although they weren't farmers, they owned uh, grocery stores as well as restaurants. Now, both families moved in the 1900s to an urban neighborhood in Southgate, California. And there were a lot of immigrant families that lived there at that time. So not surprisingly, after a divorce in 2014, I moved to Italy and Spain and I lived on small farms, hoping to kind of get a fresh start in my life. Living with these farmers really helped me see inside the soul of myself to make sense of things that I had done throughout my life and the actions and behaviors of my life. So that was kind of like your eat, pray moment, right? Wow. Tell me how that felt to you when you were doing that. What did, what did you feel? I felt initially, I felt anxiety and a little bit of like apprehension because I wasn't quite sure what to expect. But when I got there, I felt connected. And I mean, not just connected to the land, which I did, and that made total sense for me to understand my upbringing in my urban neighborhood of growing our own food in the urban house and over the uh, backyard, but also I felt connected to the people. I saw myself in the faces of those farmers. I saw myself in the actions at the table, in the kitchen, um, my laughter. I kept just looking at the lives of these 
farmers and their families and said, yeah, that's it. Oh, I get it now. It was a connection. It really was. It really okay, so was. So that I like the way that you say that because I can feel, I can feel your energy and I can feel what you're saying. What else would you like us to know about you? Well, when I finally returned back to America after living abroad for a year and a half in Italy and also Southern Spain, living on these farms, I knew for sure that I had to keep farming and cooking. So today I own a small urban farm in Little Rock, Arkansas. It's called Urbana Farmstead. And I'm re I'm just doing the things that I learned in that experience. I'm offering cooking and canning classes. I have this farm to table high tea on the farm that I do. I do private meals. So my future in this farm, in the farming is to continue to show everybody and share with everybody the love and the passion that I share in preservation of food. Um, I really want them to truly understand sustainable living. And you really can't understand sustainable living without not just growing the food, but how to preserve it and how to use it every day. So that's what I'm really trying to do. I have a wonderful program called Root of Change. It teaches 14 to 17 year old kids here in, in Little Rock underserved area, another urban area, how to locally produce and sell food in their, in my market. Um, this program really is a wonderful program. And so I continue to be able to do uh, this experience that I had in Italy. I get to use it and I get to share it with other people. Talk a little bit about um, the importance of food when you're growing your international business. Absolutely. Food is a great unifier. So it connects people from different backgrounds and experiences. It tells the story about who we are and where we come from. Food bridges nationalities, geographies, generations. Think about it this way. Just the aroma of food can take us back to a childhood memory or maybe somewhere we visited abroad, right? By learning more about food and other cultures, we also learn about the history of that place, the climate, the economy, and many other factors that make that particular country or region unique. And so sharing meals makes bridging cultural divides simpler. That's really, really important. If you're in a country to do business, it's not only polite, but it's also necessary to share a meal together. It says, I want to learn more about you. I want to know your culture. And this experience of eating together builds trust and middle ground, which really, frankly, are critical pillars of developing international relationship. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, in my 15-year experiences working in international business, what I have found is trust is paramount. And the way that you build trust is you begin to build that relationship. And that negotiations is also a piece of that. And when you're doing it over food and having a conversation and, and enjoying a good glass of wine or something spectacular, right. it really does make a difference. So do you have any examples of some things that you, you've experienced when growing your business in other countries? Yes. So in the 80s, 
I work for a company called Adobe Systems as a senior director of worldwide marketing. And I traveled to Japan um, to complete a sales agreement with my counterpart at Sony. And in those days, you know, the Japanese culture was a little bit more strict and disciplined. And um, when I went to meet with my male companion at Sony, it was really quite awkward. The male GM kept asking me more than one time about the male colleague that he was used to working with all the time. And he kept just asking over and over if he was coming. And I kept saying, no, I'm, I'm on this trip alone. I'm, you know, the senior VP of direct of marketing, and I'm going to be directing this agreement. So I don't need to have him there. Well, of course, also in tradition, he kept his eyes low and he focused on the table, looking at the table rather than looking at me in my eyes for the full first day of meetings. Well, that night, the Japanese team in the office um, took me to dinner and this GM actually was involved in the dinner with us. Um, and that night was really a long dinner. It was great food, maybe a little sake was involved, <laughs> laughing and fantastic, great conversation. Well, the next day, the tension was lifted because this GM saw me in a different light, felt more comfortable. And in fact, the GM's eyes were lifted up and we actually had a good conversation eyeball to eyeball. So the deal did close and even better, I made lifelong friendships over those evening meals that we had all throughout the week. And that led to more business over the many, many years to come. That's really a great example because I think that people can relate and understand what you're saying because we've all had those types of experiences, even in everyday life. It's like once you sit down and have fellowship with someone, it makes a difference. So what can you tell us about the fun part of growing your business internationally or globally or just in general? Yeah. Well, you know, when you talk about fun in business, you have a couple of different levels, but on one level, you really have to create a fun workplace. That's super important mm -hmm. because happy employees, they're happy, they're healthy, they're productive. It really helps to be able to give them more reason to come to work. And so you have less absentee, which is really important. Um, and also just generally they're healthier and that increases their productivity and also the fun that, that happens in the business, which gives them a chance to be more collaborative and innovative. So on the one hand, happy employees are really important, but when building an international business or any kind of business, an element of fun really fosters collaboration, innovation, and creativity, all really important for a successful business. People tend to be, you know, more imaginative. They have more imagination when they're around people that are they're comfortable with. And that, of course, stimulates the creativity. Uh, successful businesses establish positive relationships with their customers but they have to, you know, have a more happy customer relationship. I recommend that in all the things that I do. This is a very important part of building any kind of business, international, domestic, um, any type of business. That's really good advice. So one of the things that makes me happy is I love laughing. And I always say, this is an old statistic. I have no idea if it's still accurate, but um, in the 90s, they would say that Children would laugh approximately 300 times a day and adults would only laugh about seven. 
And that always struck me as that is so sad. But if you look at a kid, they laugh at their shoelaces being untied. They laugh at the moon. They laugh at the stars. They laugh at everything. <gasps> a butterfly. That's so funny. Look at it go. And they're excited about life. That's right. So what do you, what can you tell us about laughter? How could that help us be more successful in what we do? Oh, it is, it is so important, really. I mean, as a chef, as somebody who creates food, absolutely important. I have kicked my husband out of the kitchen more than one time when he gets grumpy. Why? It's simple <laughs> because our mood affects our flavor perception. Whether you're cooking or you're eating the food, when I'm in the kitchen cooking for my customers or if I'm cooking just for myself, it's very important to have that space to be a happy space. I usually have music playing and I'm singing. Of course, just listening to me singing will make you laugh probably right there. Um, but it's really important because fun and laughter puts love and passion into the food that I cook. I say that all the time. People say, oh, this tastes so good. And I'm saying, yeah, because it's full of love and passion. And I really believe that. It truly affects the taste of the food when it hits the dish if you are happy in fact going back to what you just said as far as being a child you know some people complain that food just does not taste as good as when my mom made it or my grandmother made it or when I was a kid well that's probably true of some foods certainly this the change in taste over the years might be affecting that food but probably most of the change in how you feel about that food is a change in us. So for example, when we eat a certain soup or maybe even a special cake, if we love that as a child, it was more likely connected to how we were eating it, who we were eating, we were with our loved ones. And we had the experience of eating at a table with our family and laughing and you know being part of, you know, companionship. And that's what made that food taste so good. So for my customers, and of course, therefore my business, it's really important for me to have a happy kitchen because I make happy food always because I playfully work in a happy kitchen. So that's how it affects my business. I, I love that story um, because the analogy reminds me of things that I've eaten as a child that I love and it never tastes the same. And I, I think it's the person who prepared it, but I also think the biggest ingredient is my family would cook a lot and they made everything with love and certain meals by each, 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 I have five grandmothers. So yes, there you yeah, go. five everythings. <laughs> because they all wanted you to come to their house and eat, you know, great grandmother even. And she was like, you come and you eat, you come and you spend time with us and you come and you do these things. And they all have their holiday, so to speak. And you knew where you were going and what you were going to do for each exactly. one, because if you weren't there, there was a problem. So that oh, yeah. kind of leads me into the fellowship part. So what can you tell us about fellowship and growing your business? Yeah, so when I think about the word fellowship, I think about acquaintances or people you build alliances with. You develop companionship. That's kind of what I think about when I think about fellowship in international business or any kind of business. You know, in that definition, fellowship is absolutely crucial. Um, it must be used in growing a business. Just, I mean, it has to be, period. Mm -hmm. We can't do this thing alone. 
this thing is life and we need each other. I can only know what I know. My point of reference is built out of my own personal and professional experiences. And likewise, yours is built from your life experience. Now put together your fellowship of business companions and how powerful can that team be when we're all come together? I always say celebrating differences because these differences are rich with the wealth of knowledge and talent. This is especially true with an international business. Things are very different in Spain than they are in the UK or in they are in, the, in Italy. From the way they communicate to the way they do business, um, it's really important for you to understand that culture that surrounds the marketplace because otherwise you're not targeting the customer and the customer needs. So food is, you know, if you think about food businesses in those different areas, they have to adapt the menus according to how people are culturally using those foods because it, or, and eating those foods because otherwise they won't purchase that food. And mm -hmm. that's true of any business. You really need to know the heart of the soul of that community of that marketplace. Otherwise, they're not going to purchase your product, no matter what the product is. So the more you know about a market, which is culturally and behaviorally, then the better you'll be to adapting to any of the differences in that country. So your fellowships, the companionships, knowing those people give you that insight. You need to adapt to to the very different parts of the different countries. So what you're saying is that they need to do their homework before they go. So they're prepared for some of those nuances and know how to address them head on because they're a little more familiar with it. So it's not so um, foreign or unknown. And it's not so much fear and based anymore. Is that correct? That's correct. And not only that, I when I um, traveled a lot. And also when I would tell my team that was going to be traveling to a new country, I would always say, learn the, the most important hundred words in their language. So, you know, thank you. Welcome. Hello. Goodbye. You know, you know, those things are important for you to have some level of the communication as well. And it never hurts to learn hundred words in their language. So that always is another thing that really helps to be able to build that fellowship. It's almost like saying, I care, I care, you know? And so that's another piece of it that's important. You don't have to be fluent in the language, but you better know how to say please and thank you. And, you know, those important things like goodbye and hello in their language. That's that's a good piece of advice. And I like the first, the top 100, top 100 words. But for someone like myself who is language challenged, I have studied and just and do not have an affinity. Can we bump that down to 20? Yes. <laughs> that yes. I can really practice. <laughs> that's right. Or Or another way to look at it is find the 10 most important phrases, you know? Okay. And so sometimes, sometimes that's a better way to do it, but absolutely. Even, even the hello, goodbye, please. And thank you. If you could do and stop, because sometimes you need to know stop. Um, Cause it's some, some cultures, they're just going to keep feeding you like the Italians. You need yeah. to learn how to say stop, basta, basta. Otherwise <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be rolling out of there for every meal. Oh, that's, that's good advice. Good advice. I love that. So my, <laughs> my last question really is just about 
the relationship piece, the importance of that relationship piece and how that can help you be more successful in your business? Yeah. Well, of course, strong relationships are really important in business. It's essential, especially in an international business where there's need, you need to learn trust and dependability because you're going across very large distances. So you need to build that trust and dependability instantly. Um, so I, I read a book recently by an author named Ted Rubin. He's a market strategist and author and writer, and he does other, other things. Um, but he, he coins this phrase, ROR, which is return on relationship. It's mm. similar to ROI, except the value accrued, ROI is like the value accrued by a person or brand due to nurturing a relationship. So not measured in simple dollars and cents like an ROI, it's the value or perceived value um, that is accrued over time by building loyalty, recommendations, and sharing. So he kind of talks about, and I like to, I think of it, I'm a visual thinker and I like to think of it this way. I think of it like a 360 degree of an organization. So our organization's personality is actually, you know, 360 degree. So it's the connection to the people. Um, if you think of it like a dashboard of your company, all the things we do, social media posts, the media, customer feedback, employee feedback, financial results, everything develops this big dashboard. And so when you look across all the viewpoints, you see a much clearer idea of the organization's impact on the world you look mm. at it and you say okay now that i look at this big you know organization and look at it from a 360 i can identify where i have gaps and where i need to jump in and have be more engaged internationally so with these strong relationships these strong connections you with international clients and also international friends you can learn how to build the trust you need in that marketplace. And you can also understand the insight. Mm -hmm. And that's important to build a healthy and prosperous business. Feedback I, from your strong relationships is crucial. I love that. I love that. Um, I'm thinking about the relationships that I've made in my career over the years. And there's still people that I've met, you know, 20 plus years ago that I can still call and say, Hey, what's going on? Do you have this information? Can you help us do this? You know, can you help this client that I'm working with do this? And I, 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 I very seldom get a no, you know, most people are all willing to help That's and pitch right. in and, and be supportive. What, it, what I'm asking, because we have those relationships, you know, in closing, um, I just want to give you the opportunity to offer any other thoughts or anything else that you feel like you might want to share with our, our listeners. Um, I, I'm really excited about this topic because food is such an important part of our daily lives. I mean, it the food that we eat connects us to a vast network of people from the farmers and from the food producers to our family to our friends all the different things that we do and so we we don't always stop and pause and think about that when we bite into an apple or we eat a piece of cheese but there really is this vast 
web of people that help us produce that and also nurture our bodies, nurture our soul. So I'm so grateful that this is your topic that we're going to be talking about together on March 31st. I'm super excited to share my film with you. Um, it is a story about the farmers and the food producers in Sicily, um, how they are reacting and kind of adapting to so many changes in their lives like climate change and droughts and and the war in Ukraine and how they still want to keep those family traditions alive. And so it's a really nice little film. I'm so excited to share my recipes with you that come from my family's um, you know, heritage and just to be able to talk and to have fellowship with everybody in that room that day around food is going to be just so special. So thank you for inviting me to do that. Oh, no, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And I'm really glad you brought up the film because that was going to be my next, my next question was, you know, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that is something that we will be showing at the World Trade Center. Owit um, has um, invited Margie to participate and to be our, our lead presenter. And she's going to show the film and talk a little bit more about food and share some of her delectable delights with us. We're going to be going um, with Tawny Town Winery will support us with wine and um, we'll be doing wine and food pairing and having wonderful conversations. And I'll have a few pop-up presenters in there that I think you'll find interesting that have, you know, 20 plus years experience in international business and their insight in various countries and different nuances of culture and what you need to do to be successful in business in some very complicated cultures and some very interesting nuances that American businesses just aren't prepared for sometimes. Um, and this is going to be a safe place to ask the cultural fluency questions, to ask questions about better understanding the nuances of working with um, different groups of people, different religions, different um, sexual orientations, and so on. So we want you at the World Trade Center, we really want everybody to have and be amazing at what they do best. We want to help you sell your widget but we want you to have good relationships with these people that you're doing this with for that long-term growth and that long-term strategic growth, because you will get new clients from your old clients. They will share the wealth with other people. So that is something that I want you to remember. So Margie, um, once again, thank you so much for participating. Um, this is Get Ready to Be Ready podcast um, brought to you by today by the World Trade Center, an organization of Women in International Trade. And don't forget to RSVP for March 31st. If you don't RSVP, you make it hard on Denise because I have to have numbers. <laughs> and don't forget to tune into other podcasts that we'll be pulling together. Once again, this is Denise Thomas, your host, and thank you for your time. Margie, it was wonderful talking to you and to my audience. Thank you so much. And I send you peace and good fortune. Thank you. Thank you.